okay, I'll trust myself if I know there will be no mistake. I will trust myself when I know that I'll make the perfect move and I won't lose money. I'll trust myself when I know the outcome, but that's not trust. That's perfectionism. This is the Alchemized Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ava Johanna, and I am so grateful to have you here joining me for yet another soul expansive conversation. My intention with every episode is to show you through storytelling and in-depth conversations that you, yes, you, are capable of creating anything you desire. Alongside yours truly, you'll hear from thought leaders and industry voices, and together we will teach you how to come alive in your authentic expression and remember the infinite power of your soul. We're covering topics like wealth, worthiness, the pursuit of your passions, and you'll be inspired to break all the rules of living an ordinary life. You were truly put on this planet to have it all. The thriving spiritual practice, the steamy relationship, the income, and the impact. So together, let's align with our divine selves and alchemize your life. Hello, hello, my loves. Welcome back to the Alchemize Life podcast. If you haven't noticed, we've been releasing some epic episodes lately with some oh, just really incredible guests. And I'm so freaking grateful that you get to be a part of these conversations. I mean, I have been learning so damn much over the past couple of weeks, having people like Dr. Will Cole on, Sahara Rose, and now Shannon Algio. If you've been listening to this podcast basically since the beginning, then you have likely heard Shannon's first episode of the Alchemized Life podcast. I think it was maybe episode seven or eight or maybe 14. (laughs) You definitely have to scroll back in the archives to find it, but it was such a fun conversation. I think almost three years ago now at this point where we talked about career manifestation using the chakras and Shannon actually just released his first book on March 1st called Trust Your Truth, Heal Self-Doubt, Awaken to Your Soul's Purpose and Live Your Badass Life, where he really walks readers through the process of using the chakra system to move beyond self-doubt and really go on a profound journey of discovering who you are and discovering your purpose and learning how to trust yourself as well too, which I think is a conversation that I've been having so often with people because it's so easy to not trust ourselves. But when we do start trusting ourselves, I mean, I've talked about this before on the podcast, when we do start trusting ourselves, that's really when the magic starts happening. I mean, for me, when I finally stopped giving so much value to external noise, what other people were doing, what other people thought, what other people said I should do. That's really when my life and all of the puzzle pieces started coming together in such a beautiful way from my business taking off to my relationship getting more deep and just more like sexy and conscious. And so in Shannon's book, he really walks you through the steps of learning how to trust yourself and learning how to trust your truth and really find out what your truth actually is. So I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation today. I always have so much fun talking to Shannon. Um, and of course, if you love this conversation, go back and listen to the first one because that one was amazing as well too. And we got to do that one in person back when in-person podcasts were still a thing. <laughs> 
And before we jump into the conversation with Shannon, I want to let you know that the link to buy his book is in the show notes along with all of the links to follow him, to find out what he's doing. You'll find that in the show notes and you'll find a link to Launch Queen. You guys, Launch Queen is starting in only a couple of days. And I know that there's some of you that have been listening to this podcast, hearing me talking about launches, hearing me share the different ways in which I launched that have really revolutionized my sales process. And I want this to be your sign to jump into this program because it is going to be such a game changer for the way in which you show up and launch. And the, my approach is very, very different from most business coaches, most consultants, most marketing experts approach to launching. And what I found is that through, and it's so great because it comes back to trust, through learning and doing this deeper healing work where we trust ourselves more, we have these deep practices that allow us to lean in fully to our own healing journeys. And when we show up for ourselves as our most important client, launching doesn't have to be stressful. It can actually be this really fun process. And if you haven't already listened to my episode from end of February around receiving versus launching, then definitely go back and listen to that because I talk more about the launch process and like what actually happens while I'm launching. But anyways, if you want to get in on that magic, Launch Queen is going to be where it's at. I'm going to be walking with you over the course of six weeks in really learning how to fall in love with your launch process. And even more than that, creating a process for yourself where you're not going into every single launch stressed out. You're not unavailable for life during the process of selling, but instead it gets to be this like deeper experience of life and abundance and belief shattering moments where you really get to unsubscribe from so many of the programs and stories that have kept you feeling like you have to operate in full on stress and hustle mode in order to make money, which is not true, not true. So that's linked in the show notes as well. If you have any questions, send me a DM program is recorded completely live. So essentially you're getting live coaching from me for six weeks and I'm really freaking excited for this. Ooh. All right. Enjoy this episode. Tag us on, on, on podcast, tag us on Instagram. If you're listening at shannon.algeo and at the alchemized life, and I'll see you guys soon. Welcome back to the Alchemize Life podcast. For those of you that have started listening to the podcast, really, I mean, even over the past two years, maybe you have not had the honor of listening to the very first episode that I recorded with Shannon Algio, who is joining me here today. And I got to say, you should take the time to scroll all the way back into the archives and listen to that episode because it was a fiery Scorpio episode. And, <laughs> and probably one of my favorite episodes from the beginning of the podcast. And so Shannon, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast to talk about your new book, Trust Your Truth. Congratulations. Oh my goodness. What an accomplishment. And thank you for taking the time to join me to talk all about it. Thank you so much, Ava. I'm honored that I was your first guest on the Alchemized Life podcast. That's so amazing. I yeah. um I remember that conversation. Well, I remember meeting you in Hawaii. Yes. Uh, at Wanderlust in Oahu, and we connected there. And then soon after, maybe a couple months later, we did that interview in person. 
Um, and you were just getting the podcast started around then and look at what you've grown now and how much the podcast has grown. There's like hundreds of episodes. So I'm so grateful that you're having me back on the podcast. Yes. Yes. And I know that this conversation is just going to be even more amazing than our first conversation, because for you as well, so much has shifted and grown and expanded and to write your first book and to have so many amazing people also giving you so much praise. I mean, Marianne Williamson, Sahara Rose, Deepak Chopra, like, wow. It's, I just want to like take a moment and for everyone that's listening, I'm like literally doing the, like, we are not worthy. (laughs) Um, Cause it's, it is just, it's so, it just is so beautiful because your story, and we're going to dive into that today, is the ultimate reflection of what you write about in your book. And also the most beautiful example of what happens when you trust your truth and how the pieces can come together and mm-hmm. the support that wants to flow to you. And so mm, I would love to kind of just start there with the culmination of finally getting to the point of, I must write a book. I must bring this work and my gifts into the world. Mm, I love, I love that question. You know, I, for me, I always knew that I would write a book because I love writing and have loved writing, like going back to like language arts in middle school and like AP English in high school. I loved and love writing. And so I, and, and I also felt when I started on the spiritual path and I started, you know, teaching yoga and life coaching and started the podcast that I would have these moments of, I guess you could call them divine downloads. They happened to me so much in New York city because movement is really inspires my creative flow. And so in New York city, you're walking around all the time, like everywhere down the stairs, on the subway, up the stairs, through the streets, you're just walking all the time. And I would have my phone with me and I would just get this hit of inspiration and my thumbs would either go on Facebook or Instagram and just start going. Like, you know, I would just start writing on my phone. Oftentimes like sitting underground on the train, I'm like, you know, typing this like profound prophetic post. And I realized that I loved that, that like intuitive hit, the divine download, pour it onto the phone, put it out into the world, get some sort of response. And, but after like years of that, I started to realize that I was attached to the response. Mm. I became addicted to the feedback. Was it going to get a certain number of likes? Were people going to comment on it? What would people have to say? And the book writing process was so healing for me because I started working on this book almost three years ago. And throughout this process, there's like a small handful of people who've seen these words. And many times I would write a couple of chapters and nobody would see what I wrote for for weeks or even months. And so this practice of writing this book has been so healing for that part of me that did become addicted to the response, that instant gratification of people like me and I'm worthy and dopamine. And so to answer your question, I felt so strongly that I wanted to put something together, a a book that wasn't just posts here and there that can kind of get lost in the ethers of the internet 
but to really curate a message from my heart and soul that really speaks to the to what I want the world to know and what I want people to to um, to glean from the wisdom of of my life experiences and the things that I've learned really over the last ten years, but even looking back further than that, the last like you know my entire life. Yeah, and so I knew. I knew that it was time for me to write a book because there was just so much wisdom that I had received through interviewing people on my podcast and spiritual lessons that I've learned in my life, some really like tough lessons. It was time for me to synthesize all of the things or or a lot of the things that I've learned and put it into a book now because I don't know who I'm going to be in five years, 10 years. Like I'm going to keep growing. I needed to kind of get this down because there was a critical mass of information Mm. that had filtered through me that I needed to put into a book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such an interesting way to look at it because I think a lot of us, especially as creators, you know, for me, one of my excuses is, oh, well, you know, I'll write a book once I get to this point even though I hold so much experience and wisdom inside of me now. And this Mm. idea of like having this critical mass is like, how much space can you actually create to be able to um, hold more information when you already have so much, like there is going to get to a point where it's just like, you are overflowing with information to the point where you got to let some of it go. You got to put it out into the world. Oh my gosh. And, and, And like what I didn't realize on a personal level was that the stories that I was going to use in each chapter as examples of transformation for the reader to hopefully see themselves, you know, to see the mirror of here's my life experience. Let, let me put that forth to the reader and the reader might be able to see themselves in my experience that I had more healing to do. Mm-hmm. within the context of these stories that I thought I had already processed to the point of I'm ready to share, but actually in the writing and then in the editing and then in the realizing what actually was kind of missing from some of these stories, what was missing wasn't something necessarily always in my writing. It was something missing in my healing process that I needed to actually go a little bit deeper in order to um, have that story really resonate on a on a deeply true level versus just kind of a, a surface level example of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the um, the original title of the book in the when I proposed the book to the publishing company was actually "Thirst for Truth." Mm. And that wow. really was my process of of you know, what, what do I have to write about? What do I want to write about? If I'm going to write a book, what is it going to be about? And that really was my inner process to coming to this book was a thirst for truth within myself. Yeah. How interesting that it went from thirst for truth to trust your truth. That just like, oh my gosh, like I have such a big smile on my face for everyone (laughs) listening and my eyes are wide because it's like, whoa, like how beautifully does that highlight the true healing that happened from the moment that you sat down in the beginning to where the book is at now. Um, I'm curious what that like healing process looked like for you, having come back to those stories and the editing process, like how did you know that you 
needed to heal more within the different stories? And what did that look like for you? Mm, I love, love, love this question. And it's giving me goosebumps right now. I, I am, what I have experienced through this book, through the writing, through the editing, through the conversations that I've had to have with my therapist based on being reactivated in certain Mm. traumas from now being on podcasts and verbally telling stories from the book. Yeah. Storytelling is so incredibly healing for, for me, like it, getting it out of me, getting it onto the page, getting it out into the world through my voice, seeing how you respond and how other people are relating to the stories. This helps me have certain epiphanies that I didn't have when I was kind of keeping these things really close and inside of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, I, in, in the book, I talk about Um, I talk about my parents' relationship in the second chapter because the chapters are in alignment with the chakras and the second uh, chapter and the second chakra is about key relationship lessons. And I look at at multiple different relationships in my life, but I look at my relationship with my parents. And in the book, I talk about how my parents had a really kind of passive aggressive relationship when I was growing up. There was a lot of trauma that I think was living within their bodies individually, and they weren't communicating, they weren't communing around their their issues, but they would often offload their traumas onto me in the form of talking about each other to me. So my dad Mm. would say, oh, you know, tell your mother this. And my mom would say, oh, your father this. And because they were- the same thing. Mm. Yeah, I know. I, I find it to be incredibly common. The more that I talk about this, yeah, everyone's yeah. like me too. So the, um, the result of that was that I was the one who understood that third point of view of their relationship. I understood how my dad felt about my mom. I understood how my mom felt about my dad truthfully, but they didn't have the capacity to be in conversation and communication with each other to understand each other. Mm. And so then that energetic responsibility came on to me. I took that on as I am the mediator here. I am the one with the responsible truth. I have the information that's needed in order for them to come together. And so I talk about in the book that, you know, part of my healing process was that, you know, I, I became the fixer in my family. I needed to make everything right so that I could feel safe in my body, in my home. Anyway, to get to the, the point of this is that I was just mortified about how my parents, especially my dad, was going to receive what I, my truth about that experience growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm really close to both of my parents. My, my dad is amazing. Their relationship is much different now than when I was growing up. They've had a lot of healing, but those things still happened and they're still yeah. my truth. And they've had a huge impact on, on my formation as a human being and even my romantic relationships as an adult. And so I watched myself, Ava, w- with my therapist, with my editors. I wanted, I wanted to so badly. It was like kind of built into my template to change the book based on my perception of how my dad could receive mm. it. I wanted to change it 
to make it better for him, which is like that right there is like such a pattern that I've had to reckon with. Let me edit myself so that you're okay. And that is not trusting your truth. Yeah. And that's why I had to write this book. On the surface, I had to write this book because I wanted to share this message with the world. On a deeper level, I needed to write this book because I wasn't fully doing it. And the stories that I would come to tell would actually cause me to have to put this book out into the world, despite how others will feel about these stories and what I have to say, but because they are simply just my truth. Yeah. Wow. I mean, oh, I can definitely resonate with that. And I think that so many individuals can as well. Those kind of toxic relationships where the child carries the burden and even coming back to, gosh, even yesterday I was walking down the street and I think it was you that inspired me because you do such a good job at sharing on Facebook and, um, I don't share on Facebook at all. And I was like, I wonder what would happen if I started sharing on Facebook. I think that there's so many people that would be inspired by what I share on Instagram on Facebook. And then I was like, Ooh, but my dad's on there and my dad's side of the family is on there. And my stepmom's family is on there and I don't want them to see all of me. In the same Mm. way that I share all of me on Instagram. And it was this interesting moment where, and I think I've been really presented with a lot of opportunities lately, especially in the past two weeks to look at my tendencies to edit myself. And as one of my clients said, put a muzzle over who I am Mm. in order to make those that I care about more comfortable and complete fucking strangers more comfortable as well too. So for somebody listening that is likely like nodding their head along, like, Oh my God, yes, this is me. How, how do they start to reclaim their truth when perhaps their entire lives have been built around making other people comfortable and that kind of martyrdom? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, Book starts off with, in the first chakra, we talk about the core belonging wound. So we all want to belong, right? We all want to be a part of the tribe. You know, the, the first chakra is all about the tribe, the oneness, the being connected to our family of origin, being connected to the human race, feeling like we can be held on this earth safely. And yet we all have these experiences where we start to learn, oh, when I behave like this or when I show up like this, then I might not get the love that I want. I might not get the acceptance that I want. And so we start to fine tune who we are in order to meet the expectations of oftentimes our caretakers and then our school teachers and our wider community. And then suddenly we are adults and we're kind of just playing that pattern out on a really big scale. And then you add social media into it and all these, all these aspects. Yeah. (laughs) And so what I invite everyone to do in the first chapter is to look at when they first felt and really to do this through an embodied practice of listening to the body through journaling exercises and meditation of looking back, like when did you first feel in your body? Like it wasn't safe to be you. Mm. Like how historical is that? And this is brave work. Like I say in the book, like one of the bravest journeys is the journey inward and we're going inward to look at 
the pieces that make up who we are. And oftentimes we're so afraid to look at those pieces of our humanity. We want the like love and light. We want the spiritual bypass. We want the quick fix. We just want to feel better. We want to move away from the suffering. But actually what I found is that by going, by having the courage to go into the suffering, to go to the center of the source of whatever that wound is, and by being able to bring the light into that shadow, that's the spiritual path. That's where we actually get freedom and liberation. And so everyone's invited to explore the body now, explore what patterns are showing up now. Like for example, what's happening now in your life can be an insight into these historical patterns. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we look at in the book is like, what are the repeated patterns that keep showing up? Like, oh, there it was in this relationship. And then it was in that relationship. And oh, here it's happening with my friend. Here it's with my sister. For me, my anger was something that was coming up in multiple relationships. I talk about anger a lot in the fourth, uh, fourth chapter, but I knew because it was a repeated pattern in all these different areas of my life, that it was something that I needed to look at and become responsible for and get curious about and, and have a lot of compassion for. So I could see, okay, like where is this really coming from? Yeah. And so if we go back far enough and, and we have the courage to look, not like look back, like we're getting stuck in the past. The past is here now in our bodies when we're, when we're hooked by these certain events. And so when we can use the body as a tool to connect to when we first felt like we couldn't belong, we can start to excavate those narratives that tell us, well, you have to do this in order to be loved and accepted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's been so huge for me is that embodiment work of like, oh, I like, I don't necessarily need to spend all day connecting with my inner child and releasing my shadows and like letting them, letting them play out. But I'm feeling this pattern now that means that it's there and it's existing now. And so I can deal with it now and then feel through it now and breathe through it now and move through it now. And if I, if it continues coming up, then I can start to say, okay, well, why, why does this continue to come up? Why, where, where is it that I'm not fully allowing whatever shame or anger or, or fear to be loved and held and felt? Um, mm -hmm. I think that one of the cool things that you mentioned in the book, well, I guess it, cool because I resonate with it so deeply is this idea of shape-shifting too. Mm. And for me, I always called it my chameleon behavior, sh shape-shifting behavior, starting to step into the carbon copy culture of just showing up and doing what other people do. And when I started to, when I started to really recognize that behavior, it came back to the belonging that you're speaking about. It came back to the I have fear that I'm going to be rejected. And I think that a lot of people have that come up. And that's why we see a lot of that online without really any substance behind it. At least for me personally, there was no substance mm -hmm. as to why I was showing up in the way that I was or speaking in the way that I was or focusing on the things that I was, right? That's so huge what you're saying right now, because that's that's what this work is, is, and, 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 you know, Brene Brown talks about belonging versus fitting in. And I'm going to paraphrase her quote 
from her research about this, but it's basically that fitting in requires that we change who we are in order to be accepted or to be, you know, perceived as accepted, but belonging requires that we have the courage to be who we are. Mm. And so when I try and fit in and meet your mold for who you want me to be, then you might actually accept who I am being because that's what you want, but you're not actually accepting me because I'm not being me. Yeah. You're accepting who I'm editing myself to be for your benefit. But belonging requires that we have the courage to be who we are, which means that we take that, that risk of people aren't going to like this. There, I mean, it's just, it, it, to me, it's, it's becoming more natural to be who I am because I already know that I can't make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as, I mean, this is kind of like the popular chase, right? Like, can I, can I be well-liked? Can I get everyone to like me? <laughs> this like shapeshifter, this chameleon. And it's just not possible. But more than it not being possible, because maybe you could, maybe you could become famous. Maybe you could become a celebrity. Maybe like most people could really like you and really just think you're so cool and awesome. But then like, is it worth it? Like, because then once you get all of that, are you going to be happy with you? Are you going to know that you are you? And I mean, I've seen enough famous people and enough people who've experienced a lot of success to know that there is not really a correlation between that success and their deep inner sense of soul fulfillment. Mm-hmm. That work is required regardless of how many people are looking at us. We have to do the deep soul fulfillment work. And it doesn't matter if three people are in your workshop or 3,000, because what's going to matter when your head hits the pillow is how how much are you being you and how much can you know that God damn, no matter what the result is, I feel so grounded in the fact that I know that I was me with them. Mm. Yes. Yes. Amen to that. Okay. So I want to know, like, what was that? Like, if we were to look at like that before and after of Shannon, and then also, you know, just the people who have been impacted with your uh, impacted from your work over the years, what does that before and after like feel like the embodiment of or the moving from the fitting into the courage of being you fully and doing that work? Mm, mm. Yeah, it's um. It's a lot of like stopping and starting, a lot of you know failure and and when I say failure, I I mean like a good kind of failure. Like like we learn through doing, we learn through making mistakes, we learn from going too far to the left to realize, wait, I need to come back to my center. And so for me, you know, I think back to when we started Soul Feed Podcast almost six six years ago. Oh my god, um, yeah, this March is six years. Oh and my gosh. Yeah. And like, I think back to the drive that me and my co-host at the time who I started the podcast with Alex Kipp, we had so much drive and, 
booking interviews when we were like 26, 27 years old with like Deepak Chopra and Marianne Williamson and Gabby Bernstein and the first Ugandan Nobel Peace Prize nominee. I mean, these were our, our first six, seven interviews with, with those people. Like, so there was that like 20 something drive to prove I can do it. I can get it. I can be it. I can level myself with these massive people. And there's like so much ego in that. I actually talk about like the ego in the book and specifically in, in relationship as an example to how I felt when we were in New York city at Deepak Chopra's office, waiting to go in to interview him. And my ego was showing up in two ways simultaneously. And in one way it was showing up as like, holy shit, you're amazing. You're interviewing Deepak Chopra. You're so cool. And then on the other side of that coin was, who do you think you are interviewing Mm. Deepak Chopra? Like, you're not worthy of interviewing Deepak Chopra. Like, what the... And it was wild. I could feel myself. Like, I I was having trouble finding my true center because those were my egoic experiences of worthy and not worthy. Yeah. Oh, I resonate with that so deeply. Yeah. And and like through that, I realized that, that, I mean, first of all, the ego is an, is the ego is not bad. The ego is a necessary part of our individuality in order for us to even make sense of this world. Like from a psychological perspective, the ego is the filter through which we take chaos and turn it into some sense of order so that we can get up and do something, you know, like uh, write a book, start a podcast. So it has a purpose and it's not bad. It's not like us against the ego, but at the same time, if we identify with that, you know, up and down, like sense of, of identity self more than we identify with our soul self, then we can start to lose connection with the center of the desires of the purpose of the soul which like my, you think my soul cares about who I'm interviewing and how many Instagram followers they have? No, (laughs) my soul does not give an F like it. So my, so then it becomes a question of like, well, Shannon, what does your soul care about? So to answer your question, like I think I needed to be in that high gear, go, 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 like get after it type A kind of fire pitta energy in order to like prove to myself that I could even be doing this work. But then I needed to go back and and get my soul self also. Not that it was ever gone. It, it wasn't like the total before and after thing where it was like the beginning was all ego and now I'm all soul. Mm-hmm. It's just been a constant kind of wave of integrating both and realizing that It's like Jim Carrey says, like, I, he's, I think he says something like, I wish everyone could be rich and famous to realize like how little being rich and famous does for a person. Actually, Yeah, yeah I love him. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's kind of like realizing like sometimes we need to like achieve a lot, but then in order to realize that like 
you don't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Like, yes, 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 yes. I feel like this past year and a half has been an unraveling of that for me where, and I feel, and it, you, in the book, you talk about personal power versus systemic power. And I think that this is such a, um, symptom of systemic power playing out in our lives. And so can you talk a little bit about that? And just so people have some context on the difference and maybe how they can start to take more of their personal power back. Yeah. Oh, I love that you're asking this question. And this was something that was so important for me to put into the book because chapter three is called power up your soul's purpose. And it's all about the ego self, the soul self, and your Dharma, your life's purpose and personal power versus systemic power is a distinction that has been overlooked in a lot of spiritual white dominated communities. And the reason that the distinction is so important is that both are true, but also in, per, but often in personal development work, there's this narrative of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do anything, change your mind, change your life. And it can become kind of this subconscious communication to people that like you are fully responsible for your life, which there's truth to that. But there can also be this kind of uh, message that gets sent that you're at fault also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're to blame. This is on you to to take care of this. And so the problem with that is, is that we are not individuals in a vacuum separated from the systems that we are a part of. We the 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 personal and the collective psyche and societies are merging and and together and at at all times influencing one another. And so personal power is like your capacity to say, I'm Ava. And despite the fact that this thing happened to me, I am going to stand on my own two feet and do the work that I need to do to heal. Systemic power though, is like the ways in which the fact that certain messages about how women should be or look or act or what their body should look like may have been internalized by you because of the system that that you're in, that all women are in. And so when you're, there's a quote like yelling self-care at people who need community care is how we fail people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That who am I as a white man to tell a person of color that they need to take responsibility for their lives when actually I need to take responsibility for the ways in which I benefit from the system that's harming their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's a both and Yeah. like anyone, just no matter what the circumstances are or what the cards uh, that have been dealt to them are, Anyone has the capacity to access that innate personal power, that that ability to be self-discerning and say, I am going to heal this. I have the power within me to heal this. I want to heal this. Everyone has that that internal drive, but we also need to look at um, our larger society and that 
if you're someone who has been harmed or systemically marginalized, if you are a black indigenous or person of color, if you are a woman, if you are an LGBTQ person, or if, if you are someone who um, is differently abled or has a disability, um, if you're someone from a different country or you know have a non-dominant religion, like it's also empowering to, to one's personal power to acknowledge the ways in which the system can be toxic and harmful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's such a, it's such a middle finger up when we don't recognize and acknowledge those systems. And I remember when I first found manifestation, listening to big manifestation people, um, you know, specifically around like manifesting money and the language always being like, you're going to be okay. You know, at the end of the day, like just think positive thoughts and you'll be okay. It's never going to be that bad. And I think back to, you know, and of course I'm a white woman, but I think back to when I was in high school and my mom, my sister and I were evicted from our home. Our car was repossessed. We were on food stamps. And so for me to receive that message, it's like, no, that's not true because there was a point when I wasn't okay. And there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that have that same experience and things much worse that that message just doesn't resonate and it doesn't create accessible work for people that don't feel seen in these like massive blanket statements that are bypassing so much of the systems that are at play. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, that is the healing work, right? Like that's the big healing work and be, is the, the message that you just referenced about the manifestation of the positive thinking or the bypass not being true for someone who is in a certain, uh, you know, socioeconomic, socioeconomic uh, position that that's just not the whole truth. Yeah. So if we're getting at the whole truth here, if we're trying to really create a capacity to have space for like the wholeness of our humanity, then we have to be willing to look at the whole picture. And so when, so then this is something I talk about in the book, cause it's like, well, what is truth? And you know, truth, truth is constantly moving and changing and shifting and evolving. And it's different for each person. And we have different ways of relating to it. So truth requires our presence, but the universal aspect of truth that I relate to is that it is this capacity to not get stuck in an absolute that, you know, when, if there's any spiritual tradition or message that tells you like things are always like this, then that might feel good in the moment to think that thing, to, to kind of put that spiritual mantra on your, you know, on your screen or in your mind. But that's not the whole truth, right? Because the whole truth is often a both and. It's more complicated. It's a little bit more messy. And so to hold the capacity to be like, yes, I do have personal power. And I grew up in a Catholic school being told that I had a girl's name, I was too effeminate, and being called an F-A-G-G-O-T. And like, don't tell me that that did not influence my relationship to my manhood, to my sexuality, to my identity, to my sense of worthiness and belonging, that had an embodied impact on me. So yes, I have personal power and patriarchy harmed me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. both of those things can be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, c- kind of talking about systems and the effect on, I would say, every single person is this idea of trust, which like when we talk about trusting your truth, 
how do we, how do we even start to like scratch the surface of that when for our entire lives, we've kind of been told not to trust ourselves, you know, and to trust something outside of ourselves, whether it's religion or media or, um, you know, a harmful, um, guardian in our lives. How do mm. we, how do we begin to trust again, that self-trust? Cause I find that that's something that so many people struggle with, especially, especially the women that I work with that are in the, um, in the entrepreneurship space, when they're building their own businesses, it's like, there's so much fear of trusting that, you know, the right decision for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's like, it's so hooked with, um, with perfectionism, mm -hmm. right? Like, like in order to, so sometimes we play this bet. Okay. I'll trust myself. If I know there will be no mistake. I will trust myself when I know that I'll make the perfect move and I won't lose money. I'll trust myself when I know the outcome, but that's not trust. Yeah. That's control. perfectionism. <laughs> that's control. Exactly. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's control. And so I think we have to look at both per personally and systemically. Why do we need to be in so much control? Why is it not okay to make a mistake? Why is it not okay to, you know, try something and realize, oops, that, you know, I made a mistake. And so it's that, I mean, that's a part of the system that we, that we operate in is, <clears throat> is that like some of the ways that the systems are set up are harsh. There's not room for people to make mistakes or errors. Yeah. And so, and so we feel like we can't make a mistake. And so how can we create environments within our own bodies and in our cultures where, where there's room for error, where it's okay to make a mistake, that we don't cancel people for making a mistake. We allow people to rise up in their lesson and in accountability mm. to learn and grow and move forward. So I think there is that element of perfectionism and, and then realizing that and asking yourself, who can I be when I'm actually allowed to explore? Who am I, who can I actually be when I have the space to make room for error? I love that question. I mean, that, like, that's one of the luxuries of like, if, if you're, if you're wealthy or rich or have tons of cash, you might get that experience of like, oh, okay, like I can make mistakes, like whatever, yeah. you know, I'll figure it out. I'll be okay. Right. Well, I want everyone to have that experience of freedom to make mistakes and to learn and to grow and to shift and not to be so afraid of, of trusting themselves and what that might mean in terms of um, fucking up in the world. We're going yeah. to make mistakes. And if you, if you, if you don't have permission within yourself to make those mistakes, then you're not going to earn those gold badges of lessons that come from the mistakes. You know, the, um, one of the things that I did, I'll just keep this super practical for like entrepreneurs and people who are, who are listening. Like I did my career manifestation course, which I love. I'm like so proud of the course. I loved teaching it and it's an alignment with the chakras. And I, discovered though, on like maybe the third or fourth time launching it, that the more I was launching the course, the, the further away it felt from, from my dharma and my purpose. Mm -hmm. It felt like I was doing 
the launch strategy that I was told to do by all these other examples of all these other people who were quote unquote successful. And so I put on their model of business and I was trying to fit it on my body. I was trying like a tight piece of clothing. I was trying to like squeeze it on top of me. And what I was learning is like, actually, yeah, everyone says you should have a nice, you know, recorded course that people can just buy evergreen course. But my favorite part of the course was teaching it live Yeah, that first time. I loved teaching it live. That was, that was my joy. That was my energy. That was my connection. I liked people being live in it with me. And that by trying on the other model for success, I was pursuing this financial kind of uh, goal, but I wasn't actually in total alignment with my soul. Mm-hmm. Well, because my soul wasn't on board, I wasn't actually able to give it all the energy it needed to make it financially successful. So it's like, and eventually I was just like, okay, like I need to move on. I need to, you know, focus on other things. I need to kind of go back to myself and go inward and think about what I want to do next. Yeah. And so learn these lessons and and listen to yourself, trust yourself. If a model that you're trying on isn't working for you and it's continuing to not work for you, you don't have to keep doing it because it's what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many, so many, so many different ways to do things, whether it is building your business or having a relationship or house hunting or traveling, there's infinite ways to do things. And I think that the permission slip just needs to be try what feels best right now. If it doesn't work, that's okay. Move on because there are infinite other ways for you to make this work. If it feels like it's an alignment. Yeah. Do it your way. Find your way, like make it yours. And I I really do. I, I think that that trust comes from, from letting a deeper part of your soul lead you that not everything has to make sense logically Not everything has to be this like cognitive strategy, but you can actually listen to your heart and listen to your body and listen to your gut and like make those sort of intuitive calls and explore. Like maybe, maybe you go down a path and you listen to your gut and it's not what you thought it was. Cool. Awesome. Like go learn that lesson. Yes. Yes. I know. I was talking to some of the girls inside of this weekend immersion that I did yesterday. And I'm like, just so you know, when you have a desire and a pull to do something, sometimes that desire is your soul's craving for some sort of healing or some sort of lesson. It's not actually the desire itself that your soul wants, but it's the lesson underneath it. Mm, Love. Love that. That's so true. Yeah. yeah we yeah. Are, we don't know. You don't know what you're going to get, but you're going to get something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So I wanted to talk to you about one more thing that I thought was very intriguing in the book, which is sex for the soul and really mm-hmm. being able to communicate in sexual partnerships, romantic relationships, um, you know, marriages, which I guess are both, um, sometimes most of the time, <laughs> um, And going through this process of trusting your truth comes to the point where you have to start communicating it as well. And I think that that can be really uncomfortable for people, especially in romantic and sexual partnerships. And so what is sex for the soul and how do we kind of strengthen and empower ourselves to communicate our truth as well? 
Mm. Yeah, this is like, this is, I had to include this in the book and I'm so happy it's in there because I think, I mean, it's, it's like our bodies. I mean, sex is so cool when you actually like let yourself think about it for a second, because it's like, it's an embodied dance of like relating to another person. It's like a real time mirror, but it's not like a cognitive like conversation or like something that's like disconnected from the body. It is like the body. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and, you know, I've had to go through a process for myself around like trusting my truth when it comes to sex is that like, and I have like no judgment for people who like to like hook up with someone for the first time or have like a spontaneous hookup or like whatever. I've just learned that for me, like I experience sex as such a big exchange of energy that it is, it's the Scorpio in me, right? So (laughs) you're a Scorpio too, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, That's what I thought. So Yeah. So I know for me, it's like super important who I'm exchanging energy with, who I'm doing business with, who I like buy things from. I think about a lot who I, who I have as friends is really important to me. So yeah. Am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? I already have. Yeah. Yeah. So so, yeah. Who I fuck matters a lot in terms of like, what is the energy? What is the intention? What is the exchange that is happening between two people? And, but I also think like sex has the capacity to, to, if, if we can communicate powerfully and honor ourselves in bed, then that embodied lesson is going to carry over into other aspects of our lives. Yeah. And so the acronym that I learned from Shahar Kaspi, who's this sexual shaman from Israel, he used to be in the um, Israeli commando unit in the Air Force um, in in Israel and is now a like sexual shaman and works with people in relationship. And I learned this acronym from, from him and it totally changed the way that I started, um, talking to other people before having a sexual exchange, Mm -hmm. but also it changed the way that I was filtering things for myself internally before I even needed to have this conversation. So I'll share the acronym. Um, it's B D S M R. And it's not the one you normally think of. BDSM. Um, it is boundaries, desires, STIs, meaning, and other relationships. Mm. BDSMR. So I'll go through them quickly because each one is like, and I encourage everyone to have this conversation if you're thinking of like, you know, being with someone in a sexual relationship that's new or even that you might already be in a relationship with. Think about this conversation. Um, Boundaries are, what are your boundaries? What are mine? So that could be like, I'm down to like, I like I'm down to get down with you, but I want to keep my clothes on or Mm -hmm. I want to keep our underwear on, or I don't want to have intercourse, whatever your boundaries are. I only want to kiss tonight. Um, Desires. I want a shoulder rub. I want you to pull my hair, like whatever your desires are, both parties have the uh, space to communicate that STIs. When were you last tested? You know, that whole conversation Meaning, this one's huge. What does this yeah. act mean for you? Mm. What does it mean for me? It's like a huge one to to communicate to someone. Yeah, would, which ooh. usually never happens. No. Yeah. 
oftentimes we're not even aware of our own meaning. We don't yeah. give ourselves the luxury and it really is a luxury of space to consider that. And then R is like other significant relationships. I'm in an open relationship. These are the terms. I am single. If we hook up, I'm going to be cheating on my partner, you know, like whatever mm -hmm. the other meaningful relationships are present, both people get to talk about that. So when you actually do this, here, here's my experience. People respect you. They're grateful because these are questions that they're often not asking themselves. Yeah. Um, and it's liberating. And I will say this, sometimes the result of this conversation means you don't hook up. Yeah. <laughs> and if that's the result of this conversation that you choose not to, then I, I see that as a good thing. Yeah. Um, or if someone isn't capable of having that conversation, that's interesting information. Yeah. Another good thing, likely. <laughs> um, yeah. But if you do end up choosing to do it, you're choosing to do it honoring your body through conversations around STIs, other relationships, your heart, your those meaning desires, your soul. like, And then the experience is so much more liberating because you've cleared all of that stuff that when we don't have that BDSMR conversation, all of those fears and unknowns and uncertainties and anxieties are present. Mm -hmm. They're just unconscious. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I think, and I could be wrong, so we can all test this out and give each other feedback about this. But I think that when we have that feeling of regret afterwards, sometimes there's that feeling of like, Oh, why did I do that? I just, I didn't, that wasn't what I wanted it to be. I think this conversation could shift or change mm -hmm. that sort of feeling of, of like remorse that can come after a connection that maybe for whatever reason, wasn't what we wanted it to be. Yeah. So yeah, super powerful. And I think that in our culture, this is such a huge area of improvement around being communicative with each other when it comes yeah. to sex. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have never had a conversation with anyone that I've ever hooked up with or dated or married um, <laughs> to, to, to that depth. And for me, as you were sharing it, it's like, that is that liberation that you talk about. It is getting out of your head in the process. So you can be in your body because there isn't this like overanalyzing or this like cerebral overload of just like thinking of what's, what will work, what feels good, what doesn't feel good. What, how can I communicate? I don't want to nag, you know, like all of these things that can come up, especially from the perspective of a woman, um, mm. and for any, and for anyone, um, to have that conversation at first is like, oh, okay. So I get to go into this and fully be me, fully mm. be me and allow them to fully be them. Oh my gosh. It's a huge gift. And then, and the conversation doesn't end with that acronym. It, the trust that's built through that conversation then carries through in the sexual exchange mm -hmm. and potentially after. So it's like, it's this opening up of a doorway of trust that I think is really beautiful and exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I was so grateful when I learned that. I was, I was like, holy shit, how have I not known this for 32 years? Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, this has been so great, Shannon. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Congratulations on your book again. I have it right here with me. Like I said, I'm going to take it down to the beach and read after we hop off. Um, so for everyone that is listening, your book is already out. 
as the, um, or for the release date of this podcast interview. So make sure to go to the show notes to find the link and Shannon, where else can we find you? Yeah. Thank you so much, Ava. I always love talking to you and I'm grateful to be back on the podcast and I'm grateful for the way that you show up and your work in the world and the way that you continually um, show up and offer your services and your heart and your soul and your teachings with everyone. So I'm just, you know, grateful to be in your presence, your digital presence. I can't wait to be in your physical presence. Again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so the book is available worldwide. Um, trustyourtruthbook.com is the website, trustyourtruthbook.com. And on there, you can read about the book and you can read like what the different chapters are in alignment with the chakras. There's also, for anyone who orders the book, there are a whole series of bonuses. There's a guided Trust Your Truth meditation album for each chapter in each chakra. Nice. There's a new meditation. There's um, a deep relaxation practice and a yoga nidra. And there's a movement medicine practice too. So if you do buy the book, make sure you get the bonus gifts too. And uh, yeah, I'm Shannon Algio dot, or uh, no, I'm Shannon dot Algio on Instagram. And so if you get the book, make sure to take a picture and tag me because I would love to see you holding it. And I'm also reading the audiobook, which was a really fun part of the process too. So. Awesome. Did you already do the audiobook? Yeah, I recorded oh it like about a month ago and it'll be out like mid-March, perhaps a little bit earlier, but it's coming out just around the the book. Okay, cool. Awesome. My husband, he wrote his, Corey wrote his first book um, and it released in November and he's currently recording mm -hmm. the audiobook in our garage. He got this whole setup and his friend does audio engineering. So he's been in the process of doing that. Um, so I'm sure that was a fun process for you to record. Oh my God. It was amazing. I, I got really lucky because the, it got produced by a company. And yeah. so they like took me to Burbank to go into this like sound booth. And, you know, as someone who's been podcasting and kind of doing it mostly on my own, the recording part for the last six years, it was so fun to like work with an engineer and do yeah. it um, yeah. in the studio. That's so awesome. And I have to say for everyone, grab the book because I feel like one, the book is amazing, but also the bonuses. I don't think I mentioned this, but Shannon is such an incredibly talented meditation and nidra teacher that the, those bonuses alone are like, you got to get it. You got to get it. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. They're, they're, they've been fun to put together and, um, yeah, I'm just, I hope if, and when you get the book listening, I hope it really inspires you and touches you and encourages you to find your truth. Cause that's really the whole point. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of The Alchemized Life. I had so much fun during this conversation, and if you did too, it would mean the world to me if you could take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I don't know if you know this, but every single review helps to get these episodes out to even more people and... If you are in alignment with me wanting to change the world and make a massive impact through spirituality, wellness, mindfulness, and all of the yummy things that we talk about on The Alchemized Life, your review helps. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next week.